0: This is a Power 98.7 podcast. Now we're talking. Subscribe to Power 98.7 podcasts in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. There's more on power987.co.za.
1: Melusi uh, Simolani is my next guest, and that is a political activist. Uh, yes, and we're going to be talking about Eswatini, formerly known as Swaziland, is a ticking time bomb, according, of course, to the human rights activists from that country and a lot of other activists from that country are beginning to say as they've been saying over years and years and years and this is a conversation that of course is not going to be the beginning and the end of a conversation of Eswatini that particular country is in the news all the time and all the time every now and again it blows up a little bit and then we begin to wonder and, su- and suggest to ourselves and to everybody else, and I think people start writing the obituaries of, of course, the monarchies in those particular countries, like, of course, Eswatini, and then they start writing the obituaries, and then nothing begins to happen. And then Sadak has an engagement, and Sadak becomes involved, and Sadok kinds to, you know, move the conversation in a particular way, and then nothing happens of that particular conversation as well as we're seeing with the present-day conversations that Sadek or South Africa also, Cyril Ramaphosa, is engaged is engaged in that country. So, a lot of initiatives over all the years, and if you've been following the Eswatini story, then obviously you've been following it for a very, very long, long time. And every time something happens there, people either get excited and or begin to talk about a revolutionary change. Things are beginning to happen. The EFF sometimes, you know, takes to the border and goes and uh, and demonstrates on the border with Eswatini, and then nothing comes of that as well. I think that monarch just maybe, you know, looks at everything and goes, "What are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do?" You know, uh, and then. Nothing, of course, happens. Africa's last absolute monarch in that particular country called Eswatini. But let me bring Melusi Simolani into the conversation, civil rights program manager at Southern Africa uh, Litigation Center. Melusi, uh, welcome to Power 98.7. Welcome to Power Perspective. How are you, man? I'm oh, very good and thank you for having me and good evening to your listeners. Sure. Melusi, let me just ask you for 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 uh ge- geography, where, where would you be based, Melusi? I'm I'm currently in Mbobani, the capital of Swaziland. Oh right. So you're in Mbobani, talking to us from Swaziland? Yes. Sure, sure. Melusi, the, the the introduction that I've just given and and sort of off the cuff, because you know, being a journalist who, who started in the in the, in the 1990s as as a journalist and would have watched some of the developments also in Southern Africa and Eswatini, then known, of course, as Swaziland as well. And, you know, the monarchy and all the protestations that have come and the economic woes that have come and the South African involvement from time to time, SEDEX involvement from time to time and, and all the kind of things that happen in that particular country as you as you now engage and you are in Mbobani, uh, as a civil rights program manager in that country uh, do you do you sometimes as as I do, you know and and journalists and people who look at Swaziland or Eswatini and go, you know change is going to happen now or do you have a more realistic look at it and think, you know the the um, the, the monarchy is well entrenched in this country nothing's going to shift here for a very long time, maybe for the next 50 years. Um, You know, it's got neighbors who might not show the kind of interest to engage the kind of, you know, things happening in Eswatini as one would like them to happen. So do you have a more thorough, more realistic, more concrete perspective of Eswatini then a lot of other people do who write about Eswatini, who monitor and watch it, and then begin to think change is going to come at the next, you know, you know, demonstration. But but it never does. Yeah,
0: you, you know the the people who talk about um, change being inevitable, right? So that's one school of thought. Change yeah. is always a constant, it's something yeah. that always happens. But there's yeah. a second school of thought that says as change happens, things remain the same. So the question then (laughs) one has to grapple with the two because Mm. change is inevitable. It's a fact that the youth of this country, the young people who are constantly calling for democratic reform, who are constantly calling for political reform, are going to win the day. That I am sure of. We've seen it happen in South Africa with apartheid. We've seen it happen in Zimbabwe with, um, though many might call it a coup, with uh, the former president, Zimbabwe Mugabe. But we've seen it happen Almost everywhere in the world, the rs the young people always win the day. Change is inevitable.
2: Mm. But then of
0: course, there is the question of the, the, the entrenchment of the power of the monarch. Mm. You know, when you talk about the, the Eswatini king, you're talking about someone who controls most of the, 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 the what we call Swazi nation land. Now, this is all of the land in the country, mm. separate from, from municipalities, which is then titled it. He controls all of that land, and everybody who lives in that land does not own the land. They live there under under the powers of the king. So basically, mm. you have to pay allegiance to a chief who mm. in turn pays allegiance to the king. So in a sense, you have to think twice before you do anything. You have to think twice before you criticize. Mm. Even if you're in the position of power, even if you're in a position of privilege, mm. you have to think twice before you can... You seem to upset the powers that be because you remember that you still need land in this country, you still need to be able for you and your families and your loved ones and everyone related mm. to you to live comfortably in the land in this country so perhaps to answer your question, I'll say as a Swati who lives in the swaziland i'm i I'm, 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 I'm conscious of the difficulties that we have in terms of separating the monarch as an as, as an entity of state. From it being an entity of culture and tradition, I'm 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 a Swati who loves my culture, mm. and as a result, I'm a, I'm of course aware that I have to pay allegiance to the monarch. But mm. when it comes mm. to issues of state, and this now plays along my job because I work for the Southern African litigation. Mm. and I work in the entire region, and we're well aware of the of the role that the monarch must play on state matters. And it becomes a problem for us when these two lines are then blurred, and that's why then. In spite of the fact that the powers of the monarchy entrenched in society, I do believe that change is inevitable.
1: Mm. Um, wh- wh- what is it then, after what you've just said, wh- and and you use the land issue as as a pretty good example of that? Uh, what is it then that 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 dictates that the youth will win the day when 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 you've put and and put such a strong argument forward? that, you know, people do not want to come forward, people do not want to engage. People, even if they were in a position of privilege, don't want to engage the system because the monarchy is just so strong and and ultimately, you know, uh, control over the land ultimately means you have control over the economy and you have control over every day, you know, the everyday of people's lives. What makes you then argue in essence also on the other side that the youth will win the day when you've put such a strong argument forward, actually also for the fact that, you know, the monarchy has ultimately entrenched himself in, in that specific lifestyle of every, you know, um, person in that country? You,
0: you know, on, on, on the 21st of January this year, um well-known human rights lawyer and political activist Tulani Mostego was shot dead in his home. Mm. And just, just to sort of, anchor what you are saying about this very strong argument that I'm making mm. for people to feel the need to sort of hide out and not do the right thing and not call for the change that needs to happen. But I suppose the point that I'm making is it gets to a point where everything erupts. I think if you, if you look at the South African example, for instance, uh, you have Julius Malema who's always saying you need to be careful of having a, a, a leader left uprising mm. like something similar to what we saw with the Arab Spring in mm. in, in, in your early 2011 mm. and I think that's the fundamental point that I'm driving at in saying mm. the young people and the youth are going to win the day because you can oppress people for so long and it's a fact that in a Swatini we live under an authoritarian rule the fact that we cannot elect a government of our own the fact that we cannot be allowed to express ourselves in, without fear of, you know, being mm-hmm. harassed or arrested. I mean, just this past week, I was at the Supreme Court where we're monitoring a case that is brought by a local LGBT organization who mm. wants to enjoy the right to freedom of association, something so basic. And we're going back to the to the Supreme Court in June on the 12th, where we are also monitoring and we're supporting a case that is challenging the, the suppression of terrorism Act and the sub subversive and sedition activities, because we are seeing some of these laws that are being enacted in this country are not aligned to the very constitution. And the fact that we have organizations like ourselves who are supporting this sort of work in the court, in spite of the fact that powerful lawyers like Tulani Masego have been vaccinated and others are being harassed and others are in hiding, in, in spite of the fact that there is that fear, but there is people who are constantly working. In trying to bring about the change, and we are not just working on our own. Mm-hmm. We do have activists on the ground who are constantly showing their faces. We've got student leaders like um, Tolani Maserebo who are constantly showing their faces to say change needs to happen, and it, it it calls for us not to lose hope because yes, we are being harassed, yes we are being targeted. I mean, almost everyone that I know lives in fear. But the fact of the matter is this is our country and we want to see positive change in our country mm-hmm. and we are not going to give up. But so in a sense, when I say the youth are going to win the day, I'm not sort of um, relegating that sort of responsibility. I'm saying it's going to have to be people like myself. It's going to have to be the everyday citizen in authority who's going to have to stand up and say, how do we uh, frame and create an enabling environment where we leave And we coexist with our monarch because, look, I've already said that Mm. there's a cultural and traditional side where Mm. even I myself do pay allegiance to the monarch on that side. But Mm. when it comes to matters of state, we need to be clear that we live in, in, in a constitutional era and therefore there needs to be that respect and recognition of democratic and political rights
1: mm. what gives you what gives you hope about the law in in essence the law hasn't been aligned you know uh, uh like you say for 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 a long time as well with with you know democratic processes. So the law is not aligned. And and that's been something that's been happening in that particular country for forever and a day, for as long as I can remember. And and so as you begin to engage as young activists, activists and and legal minds, as you know, you begin to challenge some of these aspects. What makes you think that, you know, in, in the, in the courts, some, some things are going to be different than they have been before? Because ultimately they haven't. I'm, I'm just trying to understand the mindset here, why, you know, somebody would, and, and, and you know, your, your answer could be one could never give up hope. You know, one constantly has to, one, one constantly has to chip at the block, you know, until you get yeah. to, to it but, but yeah. in, in in more realistic essence you know I, I get the longevity of, of of a of a struggle and and chipping at the at the block until you know you 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 make some progress but 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 you know it, we've been down this road so many times and and I'm just worried that your generation my generation will see eswatini in the same scenario in the same place when when the next generation comes along and and they begin to chip at the block as well. So, so what? What? When does change begin to happen? Is there a, a minute, you know, crack in the wall, crack in that chip or block, you know, that says something's moving, something's shifting, uh, that that gives hope, you know?
0: I think I think um, the same could have been asked, you know, when when when, when Nelson Mandela was charged and, and, and sent to Robben Island, right? I think the same could have been said for many of our ancestors and our forefathers mm. who were killed while they were trying to fight against colonization. So the, 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 the conversation goes on to the civil rights movement in the Americas and, and, and all over the world, mm. right? And you are right. We are on the 50th year of yes. the king's 1973 decree. Mm. And it was that 1973 decree and as it was amended in 87 when the new king came in And that's power. the
1: banning of political that's, parties.
0: Absolutely. So, yeah. so in a sense, I agree with you that it's been forever in a day. But in in terms of how do we then gauge the work that we are working that
1: yeah. we are putting, and and on, and, and I think that's my that, I think that's my question, Melusi, is how yeah. are you engaging your process? You know, and yeah. and the advancements that you're making. What what what's the what's the criteria? What's the measurement tool that you're using?
0: It's very hard. It's very hard to actually. Uh, measure the progress that we're making, particularly if you are seeing people being constantly locked up, if you are seeing people being constantly harassed and violated, And there's Tulani
1: Maseko, well. yes.
0: Tulani Maseko being yeah. a You know, January twenty first this year. Absolutely. And and, and mind you, Tulani Maseko lived literally twenty minutes from where I live. Mm. And, and and he's a person that I had worked with for so many years. But I suppose the the answer to your question is it's constantly waking up in the morning and saying I'm going to do as much as I can, no matter how marginal mm. the fact of the matter is, change is inevitable. Whatever contribution that I put towards moving the country forward and making sure that we're all working together. Remember, I made the fact I meant I meant the point that I myself am working with the Southern African Litigation Center and therefore we are coming on the legal side of things, but we are constantly working with partners on the ground, mm. small community organizations. We're working with um, Sometimes even traditional uh, people who are in particular positions to constantly engage, and for us being able to sort of um, have conversations with people in various spaces of society, that for me says we are making um, we're making a move in in, in terms of creating change for society. And I mean, I'll go to 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 this study that came out from the Afrobarometer. They were saying actually, I think the last. Um, result from the Alpha Parameter came out in two thousand and when in twenty twenty one, when it was actually tracking the the, the the interest of people in democracy in Oswatin. And it was actually saying that people in a Swatin now more than ever are actually more interested in having democratic conversation even though they still fear talking about these things, but they do realize now more than ever mm. that there needs to be some democratic conversation. And it's a small margin of change that was uh, recorded by the afro people. But for us, it says that there is this constant change, no matter how marginal, and it will take time. That's why I'm making the example mm. Of, mm. Of, of slavery of colonization of apartheid. These things take time, but it calls for us to constantly give ourselves to the movement and say, look, in spite of the fear, we have to do something because you do not want the generation that comes after us to say we did not do anything.
1: Mm. Having, having said that and and, and and trying to measure where you are, and I'm also trying to measure, you know, where you are through the conversation. Having said that, does it bring a disturbance or a concern or an irritation even maybe as to where you see you know, the South African stance towards a country like Eswatini and and the non-involvement almost and that, that whole particular stance whereby, you know, a statement would be made that says, you know, in every country, uh, you know, it will be resolved by the people of that country. And this, despite the brutality and the undemocratic spaces that one might find that country in, and, you know, the protests and the violent ways of trying to bring those protests down, and, and people being killed, and people being jailed, and, and yes, Tulani to, uh, to Maseko, you know, and, and people keep quiet about it, and yet it's obvious, it's it's obvious in some sense, in some situations, what's actually going on. Is it an irritation? Is it... a uh, what, you know, some form of frustration sometimes that one does see the capacity of a neighboring country and what that capacity could be. And yet the country chooses not to engage in a country where these kind of atrocities are happening. There has to be some form of, you know, it can't only be left to ourselves. Even in the darkest days of apartheid, you know, South Africans yeah. looked at the international world and said, yeah. "You have to help us here." They didn't just yeah. look at look at MK and APPLER and and all the liberation movements. They, you know, there was a there was a bigger plan where countries needed to make a stance. South Africa yeah. is that big brother in essence to to Eswatini and can make such a huge difference, but but in a sense doesn't and chooses not to. Uh, and yeah. and and you as an activist on the ground. What, what what kind of message does that feed into you know you and and all the other activists where where you where you want there to be movement but there is no movement
0: you know you know it's very sad what you're mentioning because of course we do not live in an island in an island mm. we do not live in isolation we are all interrelated be it the the Southern Africa Development Corporation be it the African Union be it the Commonwealth mm. or the entire world. Were under the UN for Khan kind Azad, of there mm. needs to be something that is done by these bodies. I mean, let alone our neighboring countries. I mean look at Sadak and what they did in Lesotho mm. when these whole coups were happening. They were able to actually take the issue serious. Mm. And actually if you look at the history of Sadak and Swatini mm. before the constitution of two thousand and five Sadek was very seriously con- I mean, was very seriously concerned about the development in the mm-hmm. He said, you need to bring about the constitution so that you can address all of these issues. But the constitution came about in 2005, but nothing actually changed, which is why there's been this constant conversation about <laughs> whether or not we're living under that king's decree of 50 years ago, or we're living under the constitution of 2005. But in terms of the, you know... Mm, Having to react to why South Africa, for instance, as the the, the biggest uh, economic power in Sadak mm. not reacting or even Sadak not reacting to, to the issues in authority. And I think for me, it goes the same way to Zimbabwe. We are constantly following what's happening in Zimbabwe recently.
2: Mm. People mm. being
0: constantly arrested. I wrote, We wrote uh, a statement last year when they actually arrested an author who was on the street uh, with the placard that said we wanted better and decent is the trend that we're seeing in the region. And we do remember, of course, also with the EFF national shutdown in South Africa, where mm. President Sir Ramaphosa sort of said all uh, sort of uh, serious words, including the policemen. And for us, it says there's this trend in the region where they are trying to oppress and silence dissent. There's this trend where you are not allowed to have a political opinion. And for us, then, it becomes a question of whether or not our neighbors can hold to account those who are dictators and despots in their countries, particularly if they themselves have some checking to do within their mm. own houses. They have some housekeeping to do within their own countries. But I suppose, again, what we would call on as the Southern African Education Center and myself would be to strengthen the SADAC body and make sure that we bring about that tribunal that was removed in, 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 in 2008, 2009, because mm. that was a very strong body that allowed for us political and as human rights defenders to, to, once failing in our own countries, go to the Sadaq body to remind them of the Sadaq mm. Charter, and the Afghan mm. child in ensuring that they are upholding human rights and they are making sure that they are protecting not only human rights but also human rights defenders so that we do not see this continued harassment, targeting, arresting and sometimes assassination of human rights defenders in our
1: region. Mm was 2005 and that 2008 2009 moment a missed opportunity to actually you know bring change to Eswatini? and 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 I and I say that because I also as we talk about 2005 and then you know the tribunal of 2008 and 2009 through 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 the through the SADC process um was it a missed opportunity and as I say that uh, and look at the, you know, Sadak today that we talk about and say Sadak should be more involved. Do you think also when I look at the leadership of Sadak at that particular time— And I look at the leadership of, you know, the SADC region today, and I say maybe also it was a leadership issue where, you know, at that particular time, those were the stalwarts of those particular countries who, you know, when they did stand up and say something, they were taken very seriously, you know, within the SADC region or, you know, within the African continent or, you know, even the United Nations. It was a different type of leadership at that particular point. And, and maybe with the demise of leadership over time and the, the loss of a voice with on the, within the African continent and so to the regional bodies like SADC and, and, and that loss of a voice on these international, um, you know, platforms as well, um, comes a lot of, you know, change as well that doesn't happen. So maybe a moment that wasn't taken because, you know, the leadership, the leadership of that particular point, very different from the leadership that we, you know, seemingly have within, you know, the SADC region at the moment.
0: You know, the, the sad thing about uh, corruption, particularly at a leadership level, is that it, it denies an opportunity for those who have the leadership skills that is needed at that very high level, right? by putting people who do not know what they are doing.
1: But, but apart I from mean, that, but apart from that, you know Melusi, I think you're making a very good point. Apart from that, corruption also takes away your voice because right. once you've engaged in corruption, you do not have the authority, the moral authority to begin right. to talk to anybody in a right. in in a sober manner, you know, and they and they also don't take you as seriously as they should because they will then remind you of you know, the, the, the sins that you have committed.
0: Absolutely. That is why then I would say similarly, going back to your opening earlier when you started this program, you talked about is it the head or is it the neck that's in leadership. And I wanted to say just in that, mm. I refuse to say that Africa has a leadership crisis. Yeah. I think it's the people who have a leadership crisis by refusing to take the mantle on our hands by refusing to, te- to actually put and take them to task. Remember I said, I believe that the youth are going to win the day, mm. but I suppose we are taking too slow. I suppose we are taking too slow to hold our leaders accountable because what we need is active citizenship. And I think we are doing ourselves disservice by allowing these people who clearly, clearly do not have what it takes to take Africa forward, to take Southern Africa forward and indeed to take our country In our respective regions forward and Mm. i think it's us the citizens therefore the neck and not the head Mm. that is to take the blame because it cannot be that africa is where it is today and we can just resign ourselves to say that we've got a leadership crisis and therefore there is a sort of bankruptcy of leadership skills in africa and the answer is no there's a lot of people who have what it takes but unfortunately we've allowed for these systems to rot from the top. And of course, when you talk about SADAC, I mean, many people have called it a gentleman's club, mm. but I personally cannot call it that because we're constantly engaging with the SADAC body mm. to ensure that they're holding their member states accountable, particularly to the African Charter and in ensuring that there's respect for civil and political rights. And that's how I'm then motivated or, 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 or in fact um, encouraged to believe that the young are going to win the day and change is inevitable and change is going
1: to come. Mm. Let's talk about SADAC then and an and initiative that our president is involved in, uh, that agreement for a national dialogue. Uh, 2020, 2021, um, you know, it's... Uh, <laughs> You know, every now and again when Sadok meets, there's, there's some suggestion that, you know, uh, Swa- you know, Eswatini is on the, on the right. agenda and that, that agreement for a national dialogue comes up and is, is used as the mechanism again to have a conversation about Eswatini, but it never really goes anywhere. Where, where's, where's the hope? Where's the, Where's the where's the value of of that agreement for a national dialogue that came about, I think, because of those those particular unrest that we saw, I think, in 2020. Um and and this particular, you know, decision to have and and the agreement to have a national dialogue came about. But you know, it's it's great to have it at the time. It's great it's a great initiative to bring the violence to an end. And then once the violence seems to have come to an end, the, the, the initiatives don't move at the same pace. They, they drag yep. on. And, and, and sadly, they drag on from institutions that should be driving them. I mean, I can understand why, you know, the authorities in Esotini would want them to drag on. But there's no reason why SADC should hold and drag the processes even further and delay them to the extent that, you know, uh, one wonders where that particular agreement is.
0: Right. Now, remember, you said earlier, there's the question of moral authority. Mm. If Sarduk as a body, if the leaders within Sadak as a body have themselves deficiencies, I mean, i will call them deficiencies, but there's some corruption scandals following them.
2: Mm. If it's
0: not corruption scandals, these issues of authoritarianism that in their respective countries, if they've got that issue to deal with, then they lack the moral authority to hold our... <laughs> comrade leader, the monarch in our country, to Mm. account and actually to bring about this national dialogue. But I mean, I'll just add that it's actually on top of the whole dialogue conversation, it's been over two years now, members of parliament, two members of parliament are still in jail to Mm. this day because they call for democratic reforms, something that they were actually speaking on behalf of their electorate. So I think the whole thing of standards, um, committing to, to, to a national dialogue in Eswatini is a facade, because remember when the Namibian president was in, in Pretoria recently uh, visiting uh, President Ramaphosa, mm. they both uh, wished Eswatini well on the coming national election, which is actually plated for August mm. for some time about that. And the question is, when not we supposed to have a national dialogue before we can go to another uh, uh, um, parliamentary elections. Because remember, mm. people are now scared to go into parliament. Because if you go into parliament and you start speaking the truth, mm. then you are going to be saving time in jail. Because remember, we've got two members of parliament who are in jail for mm. calling for political reforms. But mm. so in a sense, what they are saying is that let's go to an election so we can elect people who are going to go into the parliament chamber and start singing Kumbaya. And that's the problem that we have in Swatini and particularly in the region. Because remember, we have an election coming in Zimbabwe as well and what we are seeing is is very sad. So I think I would call it a facade what they were saying in terms of committing to a national dialogue in the Swatini because I believe mm. it is that national dialogue that will sort of bring the country together in terms of formulating and creating an enabling environment for everyone to raise their concern and voice out their criticism or dissent to whatever so that we can build a nation that works for that all in a nation that is going to contribute not just Itself but also contribute to the entire uh SADC region. There's a lot of issues that affect us as SADC. There's a whole issue of migration, there's mm. a whole issue of trafficking, there's a whole there's a myriad of issues that we can deal with as a southern African regional body. I mean, there's unemployment, there's, mm. there's a whole lot of things that need for us to work together. But if we are busy in each country fighting within ourselves and fighting among ourselves then we are not getting the opportunity to fight against this issue. There's climate change, for instance, that requires the whole region to work together. So I think really SADAC needs to take the mandate more seriously. But again, I wouldn't put the task on the leadership of SADAC. I put it on us as young people. I put it on us as mm. citizens. And I put it on us as the taxpayers in our respective countries to actually hold our leaders to account in ensuring that we participate in what is called active citizenship so that we can... You know take our countries forward
1: and therefore take africa forward mm. how how does the shooting of Tulani maserko just take the whole initiative backwards and 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 take the whole struggle you know for uh, uh for for democratization backwards in a in a sense take all the conversations backwards or or do you think that it it's almost like a slingshot you know it 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 enhances it 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 creates further, you know, conversation. It 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 brings other role players to the attention of what's going on in Eswatini. How, how does how does the death of a Tulani Maseko then, you know, play itself out in Eswatini? Does it does it take the conversation backwards? Does it silence the conversations for a while? Or do you think that it adds and adds value to the conversation and adds more impetus, you know, to to, to the conversations and, and to the and to the efforts by 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 merely the fact that, you know, a, a human rights activist has been killed and something needs to be done and we need to talk about it. But we've spoken about so many of them, you know, having been killed and tortured and jailed in that particular country that you know one 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 doesn't know when when there is a value to to a conversation of that particular nature or not or whether he takes it backwards. What's what's your take on 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 the Tulani Maseko, you know, killing? Does it has it yeah. has it taken the conversation further and and brought it to a place where one needs to talk about it because it 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 has happened? Or does it make people cower in the corner and think, oh, I could be next. I mean, you were telling me you were not very far from, you know, where he lived and and you're in the same space. And so, you know, people do disappear at night and then, you know, get tortured and end up in prison and or just vanish.
0: Yeah. Well, it's really difficult to answer the question because on the one hand, people I have personally experienced, a lot of people are now, less visible in terms of talking about issues. Mm. But on the other hand, I have seen how more uh, international and regional parties have been galvanized to come into the country to say, how can we support, what's the messaging, whom should we talk to in terms of elevating and escalating those conversations. Mm. And we were seeing reports just recently that um, in in the United States Senate, there was a conversation about uh, a response, whether it's targeted sanctions or whatnot. But it, in a sense, I would say that the demise of Tulani for me personally has been very heartbreaking. Mm. It has actually rendered me paralyzed in some instances.
2: Mm-hmm. But then
0: again, I've been reminded and I've been reignited to say, look, his life cannot be in vain. And as a result. I need to redouble my efforts and ensure that I do more than I have before. Because mm. look, at the end of the day, if they want you, they are going to get you, whoever they are, because I cannot say for sure mm. who did, um, you know, who took Tulani's life. But the, the fact of the matter is the killing of Tulani has sort of um, re-energized myself and many others to, mm.
1: to say But paralyzed a lot of others and, and made them less visible as well. Others.
0: Equally, exactly. So, mm. so, so that's why I was saying earlier, it's a little difficult for me to, to respond to that question. But I would say that the work is cut out for us and we are going to do everything that we can. And we still call on the, the on, on SADAC or maybe the African Union to actually come and investigate. Because I personally, and I believe on behalf of the Southern African Education Center, we cannot track an investigation that would be um, Handled by the state authorities, particularly because we have seen what the state has been doing to many other political activists and human rights defenders in the country. Sure. And as a result, we would only trust an independent um, investigation from outside to actually look at the killing of Tulani and not just Tulani alone, because there's a lot of uh, other human rights defenders who have been in hiding, who continue to be in hiding because they've been harassed, they've been targeted. Others are still in jail. Others are being charged on trumped-up um, terrorism charges, which is why, again, I mentioned we are going to the Supreme Court on June 12th, where we are mm. challenging some clauses of the suppression of terrorism, act laws and sedition laws, because we are worried about how these laws are created so that they can target those who have a dissenting voice. So we will continue to do the work in spite of the fact that our lives continue to be in danger. But I do believe that it's our lives that must be paid for the betterment of everyone else and the creation of a better country
1: for all. Sure. Malusi, let me bring Lennox into the conversation. Lennox? Evening,
3: in and to your guest. Sure, sure, bro. Yeah, actually, I have a question for Malusi. Just, sure, man. First of all, I just want to say that, you know, uh, change is bound to happen there. I mm. mean, the whole world is, is actually evidence to all of us mm. that uh, life evolves from aristocracy to democracy. Mm. all over the world. And so it's bound to happen there as well. But uh, the saddest part is that not Sadek will be helpful in this regard. That much I'm sure. Mm. You look at the most develop- I, mean, I mean recent developments, you know, in the region. Uh, they've been defeated so many times through the Zimbabwean situation. And so mm. you can at least expect they will do anything meaningful for for Swaziland. Mm. But the change that's going to come, I think they're holding up a very good fight there. And uh, surely even if uh, the army could, uh, could be filled with uh, royal and regal generals, mm. not the entire army will be full of such people, and so it might also come from there. But I just hope that uh, if a coup ever happens to happen there, uh, that it be something that ends up, you know, bloodlessly. But surely uh, the amount of pressure that the people are putting up against this monarchy Mm. is sufficient enough to get things there even though it may happen a little bit later. Sure. But the Lennox,
1: I have... Lennox, Lennox, I have a question to you first and maybe, sure. maybe Malusi can also just talk about that then. And okay. In the context of a coup, I mean, one, one then doesn't have the, 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 the luxury then of engaging your, your, your standing as maybe a monarchy as you would in a negotiated, you know, environment. In the, in the okay. context of a coup, you, you almost are now being dictated to as to the role you will play, whereas in a negotiated settlement of some sort in a democratic, you know, formulated space, um, you, you could pretty much dictate where, you know, and, and how much space and how much voice you have.
3: Yeah, unfortunately, Denzel, I agree with you. Mm. But the, the unfortunate part of that situation there is, and surely Melissa will actually agree partially or fully on some of what I'm going to say. For so many times, engagements have happened there. And the only time when real engagement happened would be if there is a foreign intervention. But internally, when, when, when that has to happen, people end up in jail. Mm. Some end up you know, being assassinated. And so the, the only time when people are going to realize that, you know, change is got to happen in a particular way, they're going to see through that as one of the means to actually get them there, unfortunately. Mm. Sure. Yeah. Ask your question, Lennox. My question is uh, to Malusi, uh, the Supreme Court, how how fit for purpose is it? Because, I mean, I've seen for so many times that uh, it came up with extremely absurd rulings, you know, from where I sit. And who does the appointment of uh, presiding officials of that institution? That's my question. I mean, two questions.
1: And Len- Lennox in Salzburg. Melusi, Melusi you can mm-hmm. comment on the, on the previous and, and maybe, maybe you don't want to comment on the coup part, you know, because yeah. that, that, that ultimately is not the conversation of the evening and, and that's the route we don't really want it to go. But it's just a point I was making in that particular yeah. context. But, but I think, you know, Lennox has a good question about the, the, the judiciary.
0: Yeah, yeah. Perhaps just to, to say uh, on the whole thing about a national dialogue, I mean, it was a suggestion of the, the, the started body and it's something that um, a local grouping called Malta, as they called the forum, which is actually a grouping of uh, political parties, civil society organizations and interested parties, actually all agreed on. So, I mean, I would agree with you in saying mm. perhaps for Eswatini, the route would be a national dialogue a, a, a national building dialogue or mm. a political building dialogue
2: mm.
1: where
0: we can then formulate a way forward but also on the question of uh the judiciary i mean i but, would but, not one but but you
1: it. know just just also my lucy just on that particular question because that allows as as you say you you yourself as a citizen um, you look at things very in in two ways one you look at it as uh, the monarchy needs to exist and you are you know, you are a, 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 a respectful absolutely. and yeah, respectful to the yeah. monarchy, and so oh. there is that particular place for the monarchy to to continue and exist. In the other one, okay. we talk about the democratic space, and so yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and absolutely, and in and in a and in that particular dialogue, those two elements become a you know what's on the table, yeah. and and you discuss and you discuss their space. Yeah,
0: absolutely, absolutely, I agree. That's why. I do believe that a dialogue would be the way to go but yeah (laughs) the 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 question on 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 the appointment of judges look i would not want to to insult our judiciary because my line of work we constantly in court we are constantly challenging uh judgments by the high court of the supreme court Mm. and we're constantly working with the minister of justice in bringing training in in bringing trainings into the country as we do in every other country in the region but in terms of who appoints the judges, I mean there's the JSC in the 14th, but all of the members of the JSC are appointed by the monarch. And mm. then both members then advise the monarch in terms of who should be in the benches, be it the High Court or the Supreme Court. That's all I would say about that. But I sure. wouldn't want to say anything bad about our judiciary. But you know, the writings of You the have board. to work
1: through them. You have to work I mean, through absolutely. them and, and, and yeah, they are part of the process in which you engage. Absolutely. Malusi Simelane, thank you so much. It's twelve o'clock midnight, and it, and I'm assuming it's twelve o'clock midnight in in Eswatini as well, and so and so both of us both of us need to get to bed at some point. So I'm going to say thank you so much for being a guest here on Power Perspective tonight. Thank you so much for joining us, and thank you so much for sharing uh, the views that you have shared. Thank you, and good night. That's Malusi Simelane, civil rights program manager at Southern African Litigation Centre. Joining me. At